Welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Hello, base campers. I hope you're all doing well. I really enjoyed speaking and learning from my guest today, and our conversation is far-ranging. We cover some of the data science around the VAERS system, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. We get into that along with the role of PSYOPs in this unconventional war we're all in, and the role of technology, and is it going to be a friend or foe to humanity? The interview is a bit longer, so let's get right to it. Enjoy the discussion. My guest today is Jessica Rose. Jessica is a Canadian researcher with a bachelor's degree in applied mathematics, a master's degree in immunology, and PhDs in advanced degrees in computational biology, molecular biology, and biochemistry. Her more recent research efforts are aimed at the descriptive analysis of the VAERS data, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, in efforts to make this data accessible to the public. Here is my interview with Jessica Rose. Okay, I'm here with Jessica Rose, writer, patriot, freedom lover, Canadian Jessica Rose. Jessica, welcome to Base Camp for Men. It is great to have you on the show. Uh, hi, thanks for having me. Um, am I supposed to turn on my video? No, you're not. We're doing audio. Okay. We're doing <laughs> it's audio only. Yeah, I think this sounds a little better when it's audio only, so we go that way. So, but welcome to the show. You know, I first found your writing on Substack. You're a pretty prolific writer and an excellent researcher. I just uh, I just love your stuff. I think you really dive deep into important issues and I just think you're you're a really smart person. I just really enjoy reading your Substack. Um and I guess just to start with since we don't know you're you're from Canada, I guess just give us a little bit of your background. Uh, have you been a writer a long time? Were you an academic writer? Like what, what, give us a little bit about who you are uh, and a little bit of your background. Sure. Um, thanks for saying that, by the way, I appreciate it um, because I don't have a writing background. Um, this is one of the, uh, the lovely things that happened um, since the world started to become oriented by tyrants. Um, I've been expressing myself uh, through writing from the platform that I have, uh, which is, you know, the academic world. So I um, I come from an applied mathematics background, and I applied my mathematics to immunology. And um, and then I did a PhD in computational biology, where I did some more application, um, looking at viral kinetics and dynamics. And then I did uh, a couple of postdocs in molecular biology and biochemistry. So I've uh, I've dipped my toes in a few ponds, uh, and throughout that, basically, data science has been a big part. Um, analyzing big data sets and looking for patterns. I mean, that's that's why I love what I do because I'm a pattern recognizer. So um, it's a fun way to employ that skill, I guess, sure. or deploy that skill. Um, so yeah, I, I came into this, uh, the Substack world and uh, mm -hmm. the world of, you know, less academic writing. Um, mm -hmm because I started analyzing uh, the vaccine adverse event reporting system data set from the United States uh, because I kind of anticipated very early on, uh, like actually before they even deployed the shots that there were going to be some, uh, some problems. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what I've become somewhat infamous for, I suppose. Still doing it three years later. <laughs> well, and we'll, we'll get into that. That gives another angle. There's a couple things that just popped up that I wanted to ask you about that. But let's let's wind down, like, let's wind back the clock to COVID. And, you know, what what was your situation? Like, what were you what were you doing? Like, how did it land for you? You know, like, I was 
just really briefly, I mean, my my listeners know that I got banned off of Twitter. Um, I was trying to sound the alarm bell about the COVID shots. I, I don't really call them vaccines, but I was I had a doctor on and I was questioning her uh, just to, you know, I just wanted to put something out there that said, you know, wait a minute, slow down. They're really, really getting out over their skis. It seems like they really want everybody to take this. Why is that? Um, and that alone, like there was people that were much more controversial than I was on a bunch of different topics that were given repeated warnings on Twitter, you know, four or five warnings where you'd keep doing this and you're, we're going to ban you, or we're going to suspend you for a couple of weeks. I did that vaccine one. Now I was a loudmouth about some other things as well, but they just, they permanently banned me. I've never been loud back on because of that episode. And it was just like, we can't have any of this questioning the, you know, the MRNA shot. Um, and, and that, so, I mean, how, how was it for you, uh, in your circle? What was happening? What was, you know, were you surrounded by, by people that thought the same way you did, you know, or were you surrounded by a lot of people that were going, what in the hell is she talking about? Um, well, actually, first, I want to ask you, um, when, when did you question that doctor? Was that in 2020 or 2021? Yeah. Uh, I think it was right when it was rolled out. I get my date lines a little bit confused because it all kind of, I kind of bunch it all together in my mind. Um, I may have been 2021. Um, I would have to go back and look. Um, but it was right at the beginning. It was right at the beginning yeah. when they were rolling it out. And remember that big push where they were like, you know, every, you know, this is anybody that doesn't get this is a terrorist or, you know, it's going to be the winter of, of death for the unvaccinated. It was kind of right in that was like three or four months when there was that big narrative push, uh, by mainstream media to get everybody on board. And, you know, you were a bad person if you didn't do it. And then I did that episode and she was like, you know what? Uh, I would be very careful. This, this smells funny and just, you know, and, and so, and that was, you know, that was as controversial as it got essentially was a question of like, wait, are these going to be safe? Do we know this for sure? Have we ever done MRNA before? You know, it was of that and about in that timeline. Yeah, so I, I didn't really have a circle. I I, I never really have. <laughs> um, I'm, I've always been the outlier. But uh, I can tell you that the the obviousness of the um, of of the lack of concern for health struck me very early. I mean, like January, February, twenty twenty. Like it was really clear from the get-go like that there was absolutely nothing going on that had anything to do with public health mm -hmm. um i i know what a zoonotic pathogen is that's what i study so like i i study the worst viruses um and i'm i'm most fascinated by them for some reason um it's one of my weird morbid uh qualities but uh so, you know, basically when they first started using these words, zoonotic pathogen, I was like, ah, shit, you know, this this could be uh, really bad. Uh, if something jumps animal species, basically that means that we don't have immunity. And so mm -hmm. it could be very bad from a death toll point of view. But um, there, there was no, there were no precautions being taken that would indicate that we were dealing with something that dangerous. Mm -hmm. um, it was very, very, very clear that this was about controlling people. Um, like, I, I, I just, I still can't believe what they did in some places. Like, in California and in Israel, they had, uh, they, they were, like, arresting people for surfing. using, And they were, like, getting them out of the water using police helicopters. I mean, it was just, and, and the, and the, the unfairness of the numbers and the fact that there were armed people going up against unarmed people. Yeah. And it was just like unbelievably ridiculous. And one of the other things that struck me was, um, and strikes me to this day is that like, I, I ask myself, like, when did they, when did they buy or manufacture all this uh, riot gear 
and all this equipment and train all these people um, to to like call all the civilians. Like, when do they do that? Because that didn't happen, you know, at the snap of, of someone's fingers. I mean, it did, but there had to be preparation involved, which meant necessarily that this was planned. Right. I mean, so, so there were all these indications. And um, again, I studied immunology. It's one of the hardest degree programs I did because it, it was it was rigorous. And I, I, I didn't I never learned so much in my life. I studied so hard because I didn't come from that background. I had to work twice as hard as everyone else just to keep, sorry, to keep up. And uh, I ended up excelling, actually, but um, I just I, I I got absolutely absorbed by the world of immunology for many reasons. One of which is that nothing is settled <laughs> in mm-hmm. the field of immunology. The more you look at it, it's like, man, I don't know anything about the human body. Right. Um, and uh, so, you know. When you're talking about uh, introducing foreign nucleotides um, into a, a human, that's transfection. That's not vaccination. Mm-hmm. Um, people didn't know that because, I mean, nobody knew that. Nobody was told from the beginning. But you know, I knew because that's what that's what introducing messenger modified uh, messenger RNA. Um, that encodes a foreign protein from a so-called virus um, does. I mean, when when that thing enters your cells via the lipid nanoparticles, and it your host the host cell machinery starts um, producing whatever proteins those genes are encoding. I mean, you have that cell is transfected, and it's going to mount those foreign proteins on itself, and it's going to get destroyed by the the immune system. I mean. The the whole thing, I don't want to get too deep into the immunology, but the whole thing, from my point of view, was a disaster in the making Mm -hmm. uh, from the get-go. And and I I was just gobsmacked. And I I don't, like I said, I I don't really have colleagues. I never really did. Uh, I was always kind of like, um, I I call myself an outlier, but that's a nice way to describe how most people have thought of me. because I, I have some pretty, like, it's funny. I, I've always been told that I have wild ideas, but it's like now I, I, I'm pretty sure that my ideas aren't so wild because, you know, if I'm generating an hypothesis using, you know, literature that I'm citing, you know, that's already published, um, it, it's not wild. It, you know, it's based on what's already published and been, you know, Proven well, we we hope um, we, we have to doubt that too. But proven in the lab context, for example. But anyway, um, yeah. Let let's. I mean, you're 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 ahead of your time, Jessica, in terms of the ideas and stuff. Like, I think sometimes uh, sometimes it takes a, somebody that's kind of a solo warrior to stand in truth. You know, there's a saying, an Aikido saying, it takes the spine of a warrior to, to be with truth or to spread or to, uh, uh, communicate truth. Um, and, but I wanted to ask you, since you brought up the VAERS thing, that's one of the areas, and I know you're, you've done a deep dive and I just wanted to get your thoughts on this and that, you know, there's, you have the anecdotal, sort of evidence. So uh, across my feed every day, now it's not every day, but uh, you know, every week, let's say, I see another young athlete collapses. You know, um, sometimes they die. There was a there was an Alabama just this past week, there was another basketball star, 17 years old in high school, collapsed and died. Um, LeBron James 18-year-old son, he just collapsed in practice, did not die. Now, all of these athletes have been vaccinated. And people, I think even the normies understand, you know, we have not seen young athletes, football, soccer, basketball players in their prime. I'm talking, these are athletes that are in incredible shape, right? Uh, Collapsing from from cardiac myocarditis blood clot whatever like right it's not normal to see young athletes in their prime collapsing and dying collapsing and ending up in the er 
and people understand that. And um, so there's this anecdotal stuff, but, you know, people underreport vaccine injuries. So there, there's a group I'm seeing that's saying, hey, you know, we're trying to spread the word that these vaccines have been dangerous, that there's been a ton of injuries. Now, I know people personally that have been injured and they acknowledge that it was the vaccine that injured them. I know a lot of people, actually. And then I know a, another group that their circle has a lot of health issues and they're not saying it has anything to do with the vaccine. It's just like, oh, you know, she's all of a sudden that cancer came back or something happened. So it's difficult to get our heads around maybe the statistics, something that's been left in its wake. Maybe the study is not going to be complete for another five or 10 years. And it's easy kind of, uh, plausible deniability that it has to do with the vaccine right it's like how do we how do you as a data scientist how do you look at you know what's been going on and how do you put a factor on what the vaccine is doing when people underreport it and then you know it can get mixed in with a bunch of other symptoms um and how do you know you know what i mean like I think that's part of it for, for like, I'm, I'm clear that the MRNA shots were not good for human beings. And I didn't think they were going to be, but that's confirming my bias that big pharma is not to be trusted. So people could easily say, oh, well, he's a, you know, he's a conspiracy theorist. He's he's, he doesn't trust big pharma. So all these things that are happening, of course, he's going to attribute it to the vaccine. Now, the the collapsing the athletes collapsing i would press somebody to say what else could that be we haven't seen athletes collapsing like this prior to 2020 like what do you tell me mr skeptical what do you else do you think it is just an act of god like what what is your science i'm saying it's the mrna shot cuz that's what happened in 2020 and that's when all these athletes started collapsing and i think there's going to be a ton of data that implicates these shots as like the reason that maybe the next generation will not have children. You know, I, I, maybe I'm I'm getting ahead of myself there, but I think no, I I don't think you know the trans the trans narrative is going to keep a generation from having children. But I think that these, I I, I have a feeling these shots are going to be in the end are going to be like oh that was a disaster and this whole generation didn't have children because they just had a whole bunch of problems health wise and I'm just. I wanted to get your thoughts on how do you go about uh, doing a study or how do you go about like zeroing in on the data to the point where even a person that's not a data scientist is not even maybe a scientist, just a lay person can go, oh, my God, look at these numbers of what's going on. Um, so I'll, I'll hand it to you. I know I gave you a lot there. I do that sometimes on accident as I'm trying to unpack my own ideas around stuff. But yeah, that I guess I wanted to hear what, since you opened up VAERS, I was like, you know, I always have a question about VAERS and how do you do research um, to single stuff out with that, I guess, is my question. Well, I'll give you a specific example of something I I generated just today. Hmm. Um so myocarditis is all the rage. I mean, it, it's 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 funny, not haha funny, but funny how everybody knows what myocarditis is right now. Uh, nobody knew what that was, including myself, three mm-hmm. years ago. Um, so if you if you simply go to our world in data, which is like it's uh, <laughs> it's Gates funded actually, which is kind of funny, <laughs> um, but they supply uh, data. Um, it's also like, it's linked to the CDC for, you know, how many people have had injections, how many people have died, how many, you know, people have been whatever fully vaccinated means, um, what's all, all cause mortality, blah, blah, blah. So they have all this data. So you can download that, which is really nice. Um, you have to have, you know, you have to know how to use a spreadsheet or whatever, but it's pretty simple. Um, and you just plot, say, the number of um, doses that have been given out to, let's just say, the United States population um, since, you know, the rollout started, which was December 14th, 2020. So 
if you just plot that data, and then you plot the data, you take VAERS, for example, this is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System from the United States, and you, you, have, to, you have to be a little bit savvy to, to use VAERS. You can look at OpenVAERS, which is an amazing resource, but if you want to analyze the data yourself, it's, it's also really cool. You can download it, and you can use um, statistical software like uh, R, which is what I do, to, to actually analyze the data and go a little bit deeper. Um, and if you, if you have a little bit of knowledge, you can pull out all of the myocarditis reports um, that have been filed to VAERS going all the way back to 1990, which is when VAERS was incepted. So um, let's just stay in the 2020s though. If you superimpose that data, the number of injections that have been doled out in the US versus the number of myocarditis cases that have been reported to VAERS, um, you get this really wild um, superimposed plot. Now, I, I can hear, you know, what the dummies, the, the naysayers are saying, oh, blah, blah, blah. you know, they're, they're already arguing um, out loud because I've, I've posted this already um, because it, it is quite striking. But all, all you have to say, if, if you repost this figure, and please do, um, is ask the question, uh, can you explain this? And I'm not saying that in a litigious way. I actually want somebody to explain the superimposition that is so well-fitting if the myocarditis reports aren't, um, if the myocarditis cases, let's say, aren't the direct result of the injections. So I I know that they are. I mean, there's, there's zero doubt in my mind anymore. There hasn't been for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just an example. But like the thing about VAERS that's exceptional, and I do really mean that since 2021 rolled out, um, is that you, you have data, like I said, going all the way back to 1990 um, for all the vaccines combined. And this is for the United States. Everybody knows the childhood vaccine schedule is insane in the States. Yep. Um, you, you do have quite a few reports of um, adverse events reported to VAERS every year. So if you go back 30 years, the average um, number for those 30 years per year for all the vaccines combined is some, it's hovering uh, around, uh, don't quote me on this, I think it's 39,000. Check myself here. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, yeah, twenty-seven thousand. Sorry, I, w- I was way, way over. <laughs> so, well, let's just say if you go back to nineteen ninety-seven, you look for the last twenty-four years, you're going to see um, about twenty-seven thousand five hundred reports on average for that time frame. So, you know, 27,000, that, that sounds reasonable, I suppose. I, I don't know if, if that's high, if that's low. I have no idea because I, I never looked at bears before. Mm-hmm. Um, well, people, three- they, they, they say it's vastly underreported, right? That you have to extrapolate yeah. the I'll numbers because, oh, okay, okay, sorry, sorry, yeah. Just to finish my point, yep. um, as of 2021, the, um, the number, if, if you plot these, data, like the number of adverse event reports that have been filed per year against the the recent three years, 2021 onward, you're going to see a almost a 2,500% increase uh, in reporting in the domestic data set alone uh, as compared with 2021. And this is only for the COVID products. Mm-hmm. So there's this staggering staggering difference between what was and what is. And the only difference is the introduction of these uh, COVID products. Now, a lot of people come back to me and they say, well, that's just because there are more shots given out. And I'm like, no, I've done napkin math to disprove this. It's absolutely not the case. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are over uh, 1.5 million reports uh, filed to VAERS as of, uh, in the context of the COVID-19 products alone as of August 11th. So compare that 
number with what I just told you, the 27,000. And it's it's not refutable that something is happening here. And this data set is owned by the CDC and HHS, which are two of the three-letter entities that are very, very responsible for everything that's happened to all of us in the last three years. So we've been trying really hard through FDA hearings, et cetera, et cetera, to, to get them to, to make a comment on this at the very least. Yeah. And in the very few presentations that they've given, it's also obvious in the data that they present that there's a huge problem here that's not being addressed. So mm-hmm. when, when you combine that with the fact, just one more point, that these aren't data points, these are people who went through a lot of trouble because it, it's a pain in the ass to file a VAERS report and it takes about a half an hour and you have to be persistent because it's an online multi-page system and you can get booted off if you don't complete each page in time. So these are people who successfully filed a VAERS report, which is a report of injury in many cases. And in, in other cases, it's severe, serious, which could imply even mean death. So. These are people. These are real people. And there are millions of them. Yeah. Right yeah. Now. It, let me let, let me ask you a question. I, I I was wondering about this, and you would probably know, I don't know the answer to this, but I would think, wouldn't you see, and and maybe that maybe the evidence is there, I would think that there would be a spike in all in deaths, in all causes, death that would have jumped after the the covid stuff was released um is there or is there not like i would think that yeah, if, if I'm, you I'm if not you're, an cross mortality girl but yes there is yeah yeah i mean isn't wouldn't that isn't that kind of like a common sense like if you say well the death rate spiked after these this product was released without any other explanations and no not a whole lot of other factors we're not allowed to make a connection to these products it's uh, the one thing that can't be causing the excess death right 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 okay yeah of course okay but there is but there is uh there is a spike yeah and it's not just a spike it's it's an unusual spike in in young folks like working people so and this is coming from like insurance claim data so it's it's not it's i mean okay one one other thing i've learned since all this started is that lots of data is being manipulated but this is one of the data sets that would be really hard to manipulate mm-hmm. um so yeah it is indicating um that houston we have a huge problem it's it's just not you know it, it's ridiculous that we even have to talk about this like as if we have to try and convince anyone because it's 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 ridiculous it's like saying that the sun doesn't rise every day of course it does it's right. like well maybe it doesn't i don't know but <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm with you i'm with you, you there know, is a problem with these I- injections and it's 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 not rocket science as to why i mean all you have to do is is have have a minor understanding of what they actually are and then you have to ask the question, how many people actually got what they were meant to get? And then you start, you know, putting the pieces together as to who, what, what's the, what is similar between, say, the people who uh, suffered adverse events and severe adverse events. So yeah. we still don't know, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I noticed you writing about recently is psyops and um i thought that was really interesting uh you know i've done a i've done a bunch of reading about this kind this kinds of these kinds of things kind of throughout you know i remember first becoming aware of psyops when i was young you know reading a, maybe a book about the cia's psyops that they ran you know and then it was uh, then it was maybe more things that were on the fringe, what would now be called conspiracy stuff as I was digging in to find out what the heck was going on. Um, and, you know, I, I recently bought uh, General Flynn wrote a uh, 
citizen's handbook to 5G warfare. That might not be the exact title, but you get where I'm going. That he he wanted he was releasing uh, a book for pe- for people to understand the war that we live in and um that we're even in a war it comes as a shock to some people or they would say I don't see I don't think this is we're not in a war like why are you saying that why why do you think we're at a war with these so-called globalists for instance and you know on the back of his book it just says you know uh this is a this is an unconventional war using psyops and other uh soft war techniques um uh and it's we the people or humanity against uh against uh, the globalists and you could say it's uh freedom against communists there's a lot of ways to frame it um and but i just wanted to get your thoughts on it you know there's i think one of my ahas was realizing that you know I'm being used in this psyop war as well. Like the the psyops don't cut; they cut both ways. So I think that for somebody that's um, pro humanity, we point out all the ways that psyops are being used against us. Um, but also, we're being used. You know, you could say by the white hats or by the the pro humanity military. But there's lots of evidence that there's psyops that are meant to awaken humanity, um, meant to get us to talk amongst ourselves about what's going on so we have a little bit clearer sense. Even the fact that we're in an unconventional war and the word is spreading, um, you know, General Flynn's basically saying, here is a handbook. It's a psyop for your benefit. <laughs> and and so, you know, in the modern era with the, the way that information flies, um, you know that the, this soft war cuts both ways, but it's devastating. A lot of people don't realize that we're in a war. They're just talking about going on their next vacation, and you know, there's this kind of sense amongst the populace. Maybe there's a denial of what's going on and what's at stake. I would say would be another one of my points. That uh, I don't know about you, but I'm grateful um, to have my sleeves rolled up and to be speaking hopefully words that help people awaken, help people take a look. Maybe people go get General Flynn's book to see, hey, what are people talking about? What do you mean psyops? Um, uh, what are your thoughts on all that? Are, are, are we in a war? Do you feel like sometimes you're a you're a, a keyboard warrior in in service to humanity or is that is that going too far? You're just a, a humble data scientist looking for clues of what's really going on? Well, both. Um... Yeah, I'm just doing what I can, uh, but we are in a war. There's there's no doubt about that. We've been in this war for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's clear. You just have to kind of look briefly at history. Um, the the motivations, I think, are, are the same, you know, power accumulation and control. Um, but, of course, the tools uh, at the disposal of these psychopaths I'll call them um are are very different from what they have historically been um we have the integration of AI now uh which is <laughs> I mean I I just I I had a conversation with someone about this the other day I don't really want to get into that now because it it got a bit deep um but we have no idea how integrated uh these AIs are in this entire thing at this point um but uh, as far as psychological operations go, I mean, of course. I mean, our, our entire societal existence right now is a psychological operation, if you ask me. I mean, I, I basically don't know anyone who isn't connected to a, a bloody, you know, microcomputer now. I, I mean, I don't have a cell phone. I gave it up years ago because I, I just, I, I didn't. I didn't like what it was doing to me. I, w- I was finding myself looking around one day at, at all the, the zombies. I, I really do mean that. I mean, looking constantly craning their necks down and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And when I saw myself like that and I was like, I, I don't want to be like that. I want to engage with, with living things, not, not this, not these colors and advertisements and, and distractions. So, um, 
but unfortunately that's that's our reality now and there are very few people who are um immune to these these um these lures um the lure of you know attraction and consumption and you know trying to be better and faster and well, all this bullshit that has nothing to do with anything of value really um selling people ideas about um you know what it means to be important what it means to be valuable itself uh what a fulfilling life means i mean mm-hmm. it's it's such it's it's so excruciatingly painful for me to to watch it now and i am watching it i'm mm-hmm. i'm i'm still a participant to some degree but i'm more of a spectator um because it's like for the young people let's say and the really young people i mean i, I can't even imagine what it's like for them now. Mm-hmm. I mean, do, do they even have a, a possibility to to get an idea of who they are themselves and, and what actually defines them as an individual and what their creative strengths are and what they actually care about? Um, because the, the, the medium in which we're all kind of drowning in right now is it's just it's not even real i i I think this the the whole matrix analogies is very um apt it's it 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 is a it is a big illusion this thing that we're living in I, i i mean that literally it's like most people are trying to aspire to an idea of themselves rather than going inside and investigating what they actually love or even like. Um, It's like, just imagine for a second, like if we had, if most people um, just for work, for example, did, did what they loved. Imagine this existence that we would have. I mean, everybody would be fulfilled Uh, Mm -hmm. to a degree everybody would be prosperous uh everybody would be prosperous everybody would be equal because everybody would be themselves uh giving and getting uh in in a in an amazing sync and harmony but you know that that's the thing that the um the overlords they really hate and are trying to destroy that's that's why they're trying to destroy not only national sovereignty but individual sovereignty they're they're trying to create a mass as opposed to a group of individual people mm-hmm. um where we're all wearing the same color we're all eating the same chemicals we're all you know sad and 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 uninformed and and not you know we don't care that that's kind of how i i know how awful that sounds but no, that's kind it's- of how it's spot on, you know. I, I saw I saw a picture recently that was just heartbreaking to me, and it was a throwback photo from like the seventies or eighties, kind of like during my upbringing, basically. And it was a group of I don't even think it was a mix. I think it was a group of girls. It might have been uh, maybe like eight or ten girls. It looked like they were at summer camp. But they all just had these big smiles. They had like kind of their arms. Some of them had their arms around each other. They had mud all over. You know, they they had been playing outside in some fun activity, clearly by their aura and their expression. And not a single phone, of course. And, and you know, the, the caption was something like, Does any, do you remember this for our young people? Instead of this, and then it showed, you know, a group of kids all with their phones, to your point, like all craned over. And I was just like so sad, like, oh, my God, like, look at how far we have moved in this direction. And and I think that day I saw Elon Musk's Starlink had launched, you know, 4,000 more satellites, and they showed like a picture of where how many satellites of Starlink, just Starlink, forget the other companies and 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 state actors that have of uh, satellites out there. It was just Starlink and it was covered 
the sky was covered and they and somebody had said are we gonna have a future where you look out and you don't see anything but but satellites and it was like I think I saw the two images on the same day and I was just like, God dang, man, what is, what is going to happen? How do we, how do we keep our humanity? Because, um, you know, we're, we're marching. Like I only know like two other people that have taken your, your position and said, I'm not doing a cell phone. I'm not going to do, I'll interact with, technology on my own terms like most people myself included you know um you know you're i'm interacting with it a lot and i'm probably i probably have a huge shadow around well wait a minute i'm getting a dopamine rush off this like you know i I could probably go and go without a phone on a regular basis and it would probably be very good for me but that set aside on the macro level you know, what in the hell is going to happen with this? Like, how do we, you know, the young people, I have a 16 year old and they're just immersed in it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they know who they are, but it just, it made me sad to see my generation. Like when I was that age, what we were doing compared to what they're doing now. Um, I'm like, it's really, really stark um stunning in a in a kind of a terrible way and i'm and i'm optim i'm an optimistic person i believe that our better days are ahead of us but i look at that and go oh man do how how do we you know how do we partner with technology that's not working completely against us uh and i do think there's there's going to be ai that's already created i think there's ai that's pro humanity but that being said what do you do when you look out at a night sky and you can't see uh, stars because all you see is evidence of our technological so-called breakthroughs? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I really don't. Um, I think young people, uh, in a way, some of them will have a leg up. The ones who, you know, we're kind of like the ones in my generation who got, you know, we're the the ones who got the first computers that ever came out, like personal home computers. Yeah. Who like they like Dungeons and Dragons and reading and stuff. So th- those type types of kids, uh, they're always going to exist, right? Yep. They're going to learn to computer program and they're going to become really good hackers. And these are the people I was thinking about this today. These are the people that are going to save us. Um, I really believe that. Uh, because everything will be um, zeros and ones soon. Like no matter what you know, we we do. That's that's inevitable. Um, there will be some communities, of course, that maintain, um, you know, a a a sense of who they were. But for the most part, in you know, if if anyone's living in a large city, it's it's going to be. Um, digitally controlled uh, mm. i don't know how else to say it i mean yeah. everything will be on a, a digital ledger so like your you will be data being collected i mean that, that's what they're striving for now um even as we speak uh ais are harvesting this information from um zoom this is part of their new terms and conditions um where you know part of signing on to zoom and using it is that you agree to let all of the stuff that you say and your image and everything, um, your voice uh, and what you're saying be uh, used to train AIs. So, um, yeah, uh, it's uh, it looks pretty gloomy, um, but there's always hope. And the thing is, I mean, y- you always have to kind of, it goes back to what I was saying before, y- you have to dig into your your own creative uh, skills and your essence. And, um, you know, there are all kinds of people and, and not, not, I don't mean this to sound insulting, but most people are followers. Mm-hmm. Um, there can't, everyone can't be a leader. I mean, you know, may, maybe in, in some kind of ideal world, everyone is their own leader, but um, as a, as a group, cause we're, we're a 
a species of beings that lives together, um, there's always going to be like personalities that are, you know, more, more leader-like. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's about getting into who you are and, and, and playing that role. So if you're one of the, the people who, who's kind of been immune to the, uh, the BS that we've been bombarded by in the last three years, then uh, you're you're kind of just in your role, whether you know it or not. I mean, I've had conversations with with a bunch of the people who are very prominent in in fighting this. Like Pierre Corey and I had a conversation one time about how it seems like most of us are all the same age, and we were wondering if if that was a coincidence or not. But it's um we all have to kind of go through our own processes to, to try and understand, and we're still going through it. Mm -hmm. um, why the hell we're in the positions that we're in, um, especially in the realm of psyops. And, and I'm going to pivot here because there are a lot of players um, in this whole game, I'll call it, um, that makes it look like there are two sides. There are not mm -hmm. um, who are literally there as imposters to mess everything up and to confuse the public. Um, so it's like, it's really, really important to um, to self-discover, like to, to try and, you know, but not think about it too hard at the same time. I'm, I'm contradicting myself here, but I mean, it's like just realizing, yeah, okay, this is what I have to do now and accepting it and going with it like uh, balls to bones. It's like, you know. And and I again I I don't know if if, um, if I went on too much of a tangent, but I think the young people, including your own kids, like they'll they they just have this indomitable um, inherent ability uh, to to tap into that. Adults, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I I think I, I love I love what you were saying about that. I I do think like part of like I I want to be. Like for me, I I want to hold on to my optimism and for humanity because that's part of why I'm here, but I don't want it to be naive. So I think some of it to what we were talking about is that, look, you and I and a bunch of other people recognize that this is a spiritual war with psyops. We're noticing that the enemy of humanity, you know, you can call them sociopaths, the deep state, uh, psychopaths, you know, uh, Henry Kissinger and his friends, ho however you want to phrase it, um, you know, they're, it looks like they're closing in on us with this kind of menacing technology and they've got everybody hooked in their own ways, whether I'm hooked on this and my, the younger ones are hooked on TikTok. And so everybody's, everybody's primed to be taken into the, you know, I get all that, but, you know, we're in a war, so we're noticing where we're vulnerable and that's good. Um, but there's also, you know, there's also the other side, which is our natural um, divinity, our natural imagination, our divine imagination, how we um, are natural storytellers, how we can uplift one another. Um, you know, we have all these great myths to help us kind of navigate this crazy time. And so as long from my, where I'm sitting, like we we're defeated. If we throw everybody, throw everybody that doesn't think like us under the bus. In other words, the people that aren't as awake or as on the pulse as maybe you are about data or this other person over here who really knows this topic, you know, maybe they're not like that, but as long as we can still get our arms around each other and recognize, look, there is a mutual, and I love what you said about how there's really not two sides, um, and that can be taken all the way up uh, to the, the the ultimate. You know that there's really this really is in some ways um, this even this war is almost like a game, like a game of awakening, a game of humanity trying to figure out what is this, what are we learning by all this, um, and so. And I feel like if I get doom and gloom, I don't see all the things that are going in our favor. Um, so I don't like going there for very long. I'll, I'll look for a while, but then I need to sidestep and go, look, um, you need to get your finger back on what's light filled, what's positive. Um, that is really humanity's strength. So keep 
keep doing things that that shine the light on on truth and uplift humanity. And I think that's going to go a long ways towards fulfilling for me anyways, it fulfills my role um, not to be Pollyannish, but to be truthful, but be truthful on both sides. Um, and yeah, but I have a couple other questions, but I think I want to save them because I think it's going to be a deeper dive. And I would love, love, love to have you back on. You've just been a fantastic guest today. So thank you so much for coming on, Jessica, and sharing your insight, your wisdom. Do you have anything else to say? Like I kind of, oh, you know what? I was going to give you a chance to uh, talk about where people can find you and your writing and anything else you might want to say. Sorry about that. I got a little ahead of myself. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, yeah, well, I have a couple Substack newsletters. Um, I, I am pretty prolifically writing on both of them. Um, jessicar.substack.com and jessica5b3.substack.com, which is more about current events. Uh, I have a website, Jessica's Universe, which is more about data. You can find my CV and all of my interviews there. Um, and I'm on Twitter, but that's uh, that's mainly just to look at cat videos. <laughs> that's funny. Do, um, do the two Substack video uh, channels are they? Do they have different focus, or they're just different expressions? Uh, one is more like current events, and the mm -hmm. other one is uh, like you know explaining what you know Journal X is saying okay. about what's going. On. Great. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. I so appreciate you coming on and sharing your insight and your wisdom with Basecamp listeners. It's just really awesome to hear your take on so many interesting things. And would love to have you back on because there's some other uh, topics that I have earmarked, but I think that would make for another episode. I think we could make something really great um, out of those questions as well. For sure. Anytime. Well, I hope you enjoyed our time with Jessica Rose. I plan on having her back on as we touched on some things that I would like to explore with a little more depth. Thank you, base campers, and we'll see you around the fire next week. If you find value in our show and wish to show us some love, we are now making that very easy to do. You simply go to www.basecampformen.com and click on Donate Support Basecamp. You'll find an easy way to make either monthly donations for as little as $5 a month, or you can donate just once. We love the monthly donation and hope to build this up over the coming months, but any show of support is greatly appreciated, honestly. Thank you for your support and for helping to keep Basecamp as a resource on your hero's journey. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac and you're listening to Basecamp for Men.